Good evening, ghouls and ghoulettes, and welcome to Killer Horror Critic, the podcast worth dying for. Hosted by the Killer Horror Critic himself, this is the show where guests from all over the horror spectrum join to talk about some of their favorite horror films. So get snugged under the covers, grab a cuddly puppy, and prepare for tonight's blood-curdling episode of Killer Horror Critic. Good evening, horror fans, and welcome to another episode of Killer Horror Critic. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Chris. And this is a podcast where my wife and I discuss horror films like a couple of drunks at the bar. So maybe you never quite learn anything. Maybe we never enlighten you. (laughs) But hopefully you have a good time listening. So tonight we're going to be continuing our Sharks, Sharks, Sharks theme with the 2010 film The Reef. Uh, And this is written and directed by Andrew Trouke, who did a film called Blackwater, as well as a sequel to that, Blackwater Abyss. They are both very similar to The Reef. Only instead of sharks, it deals with a killer crocodile. (laughs) Uh, And apparently, well, looking him up today, I also found out that, and maybe I had just forgotten this, apparently he's working on a sequel to The Reef, which I believe is in post-production, and it's called The Reef Stalked. (laughs) How do you do a sequel? You just, easy, you just do the same thing, but with different people. Fair enough. (laughs) Just sharks again, but (laughs) different people. Anyway... So for those of you who have never seen The Reef, uh, this film's basically about a group of people who go off on a sailboat and they're supposed to be sailing to somewhere to drop off the boat. And after a accident leaves their boats uh, turned upside down and sinking, they have to make a decision of stay on the boat as it floats out further into the ocean and hope for survival that way or get in the water and swim in shark infested waters to the closest shore that they know of which is about 10 miles away literally your nightmare it is literally my worst nightmare it is the exact reason why i don't know that i could ever do something like sail around the world or anything like that because the thought of being in the middle of the ocean by myself or with people in isolation and no people nearby to help us when the boat sinks is basically my worst nightmare. The only thing that could be worse for me here is instead of sharks, it would be a killer squid. (laughs) Or a giant squid, I should say. You really hate squids more than sharks? Yes, because sharks, for one, I feel like are less likely to eat me than a giant squid if it were to happen to be around. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And also, just the death, the the means of death (laughs) with a giant squid just sounds so much worse than what it would be with the shark, all right? So I, so quick side note, I don't know if any of you have ever seen the film The Beast, uh, which is by Peter Benchley, and I talked about it when we did Jaws and how it's basically a ripoff of his own novel, Jaws. Yeah. Uh, but The Beast is basically about a giant squid killing people off the coast of, a, of an island town or whatever. And at one point, the main character describes the way that you meet your demise with a giant squid, and it's basically... You get these giant hooks <laughs> uh, <laughs> snagged into you. So, like, each tentacle has these, like, giant, like, fist-sized hooks in them just all through the entire tentacle. The thing hooks you with those, and then it pulls you down deeper and deeper into the darkness. And then, 
you know, as you get closer to the thing, it's like this giant glowing red monstrosity because giant squid also change colors with their mood and they turn red when they're like, you know, excited to eat you. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, And then you basically get pulled in by these hooked tentacles into this giant like bird's beak of a mouth that then just rips you to shreds and <laughs> and and to me that just sounds so much worse than you know a shark just like biting me in half <laughs> yeah. it's the closest you get to being killed by an elder god yeah basically and that's a, that's just a death that i don't think any of us wants to meet so no. uh anyway so we're gonna be talking about that film tonight but before we do that, we have our usual spoiler-free content, so we'll let you know more about, again, the spoiler territory with The Reef. It is a film that is streaming on all over the place, really. Tubi, Shudder, I think also Prime, so you should be able to find it. If not, I think it's worth the rental. We'll, we'll get into what Chris thinks. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but so as far as releases go this week, just a couple I want to mention to you. First is a film called The Boy Behind the Door, and this is coming to Shudder. These will all be out by the time you're listening to this. Uh, this film's great. It's from the directors behind the film The Gin, which also came out, I think, uh, earlier this year, I believe, about a boy who's stalked and tormented in his apartment by a, a gin. And in this film, The Boy Behind the Door, it basically involves two boys who are kidnapped and taken to this, like, isolated farmhouse uh, by Trump supporters of all people. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Although that's that's not a main part of the plot. There's yeah. just like a bumper sticker on one of their cars that says "Make America Great Again." So, <laughs> anyway, uh, they're kidnapped by these people and taken to this isolated house, and then one of the boys escapes. And the film's basically about him facing off against these kidnappers and trying to save his best friend, right? And so, the thing about it is that it's on the surface it's kind of like your standard you know really dark coming of age kidnapper thriller right Mm -hmm. and it's very like sweet at the heart of it like the two boys relationship is honestly like really great (laughs) and you know like completely devoid of like the usual negative bullshit you see with young kids right Uh um just like a really nice i think positive relationship to see with two boys on screen that we don't get to see very often uh but what makes the film stand out is that stylistically it's just so neat like the entire film has this heavy like creepy gothic sort of atmosphere to it where you know everything just feels cold and the house is you know almost has like a supernatural vibe to it uh the film keeps the kidnappers in the shadows as much as possible so you don't really know anything about them until you know towards the third act or whatever And, and it's just like a very dark violent eerie movie so I do highly recommend it. I really enjoyed it. I want to um, see this so bad now. Yeah, no, it, it's a great film, a great spooky atmosphere, uh, great performances from the kids and and uh, the kidnappers. And, and there's also, I get the sense the filmmakers are Stephen King fans because there's some really great uh, like shining homages and stuff <laughs> like that that are pretty intense. Uh, but no, really good film, highly recommend and one other one coming out this week that I wanted to mention is The Green Knight, which is coming to theaters from A24. And and look, I will just say this about this without spoiling anything for y'all. This one's basically based on uh, the old 14th century poem. I, I believe it's called Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. And it's basically about this guy who, Sir Gawain, who is, you know, part of or or associated with the Knights of the Round Table and King Arthur and all that, although none of that's, like, heavily a part of the film just sort of implied mm-hmm. but it's basically about him and he's this guy who you know has kind of done nothing with his life and he's seeking some sort of honor or recognition you know and this 
kind of earthy green knight shows up this dude who's like made of you know branches and basically he's basically like a walking talking tree (gasps) he he shows up and interrupts this christmas gathering and challenges someone to a challenge and sir gowan accepts and basically the challenge is sir gowan delivers a blow to him and then a year later he has to travel six days to go see the green knight at this like ancient chapel or whatever and then receive a blowback (laughs) and and so you know sir gowan does this and then a year later he's pretty much encouraged by everyone around him of like all right now you now you got to go travel and take your blow and even though it probably means certain death for him he eventually goes because he's so obsessed with this idea of like wanting to be remembered as brave and a hero and not the sort of worthless coward that he kind of is. (laughs) So so the thing I'll say about it is it's not the average sword and sorcery film that you might imagine. It's sword and sorcery by way of A24, which means that, you know, it's not exactly what I would call an exciting film, but what it is, is it's just stunning. Like every, everything about it, visual sound performances, everything about this movie is just absolutely masterful it's stunning, it's gorgeous, breathtaking. It's the kind of movie that's made for the big screen. So if you're feeling comfortable, if you're vaccinated, because <laughs> I don't want to recommend this to unvaccinated people, if yeah. you're vaccinated, go to the theater, check out this movie. If it sounds like your jam, I don't think you'll be disappointed, at least visually. It's beautiful. <laughs> but with that being said, uh, so something else we like to do, we're forgetting the spoilers here, is every week on Twitter... Uh, at Killer Critics, we like to put up a poll, kind of getting your thoughts and feelings on the film that we're talking about. So with the reef between love it, it's fine, don't like it, and never seen it, where do you think the audience falls on this one? I feel like, based on what you said on some of the previous episodes about so many people kind of recommending this movie when you were trying to talk about The Shallows, I'm going to assume that everybody loves this movie. <laughs> you were wrong. So... Good. Now, I mean, when I... <laughs> Good, fuck you. No, when I when I said when I said I didn't say so many people. I mean, a, a few, yes, but that that doesn't speak that doesn't speak for the majority of Twitter. No, um, so twenty percent said they love it, twenty two percent said it's fine, zero percent don't like it, and a whopping fifty eight percent have never seen it. So this Holy is holy shit. So this is another one that is just like way under the radar for some reason. People um, go see shark movies; they're fun. Yeah, it, it's kind of interesting. It makes, you know, it's based on the things we've talked about. It sort of seems like if it's a shark movie that came out in the last 10 years, no one's seen it, which is like boggling to my mind because because yeah. there's so like, like, is there is there a stigma against shark movies that I don't know about? Like, I know that sci-fi and Sharknado might have ruined some people's <laughs> impression of this genre, but there's so many good shark films out there. <laughs> I, I don't get it. I don't understand why you wouldn't want to go and watch a giant like chomping monster eat people yeah i don't know but so so yeah that one i guess doesn't surprise me too much uh i was a little taken aback by 50 over half of you haven't seen it but so we always like to take comments from you all as well and again these are all from twitter so at haunted michelle and so that's haunted and then m-i-c-h-e-l-l-e says i loved it like all the open water movies it's more about what would i do in that terrifying predicament stay or swim (laughs) That's really what it comes down to, right? Is putting yourself into that environment um, and wondering, like, what would you do? Which is why I do terribly with these movies. 
survival horror is not a genre I really like because, <laughs> and especially when it's a true story, because I feel bad because I just want to make fun of the people and their stupid decisions, and I can't because this happened to Chris, real people. Chris is one of those people that's always like, I would do so much better in that situation. I wouldn't do this and that and that. And why are these people freaking out? Why, If they just stayed calm in the water, then the shark wouldn't attack them. And I'm like, motherfucker, they, they are in the middle of the ocean being stalked by a fucking 20-foot great white. I think they're allowed to freak out a little bit. They are. I just, I'm a horrible person and I have a hard time relating to people having panic attacks on screen because I don't know what to do. Yeah, so I mean, I, I agree with Michelle in this case where it's like, I think that's a big part of the terror with the reef is that that situation alone is is gut-wrenching you know because you so so no spoilers here but you have five people on this capsized boat and they're having to decide between them like who's gonna go swim and try for the reef and who's gonna stay behind and spoiler not everybody goes to the reef right and so it's it's just this gut-wrenching thing because both options suck yeah they're terrible I mean, like, one option, you sound pretty screwed floating out to the middle of the ocean on this sinking boat, right? Yep. And the other option, swimming 10 miles in water that you know is shark-infested, I just, neither. (laughs) In the rough direction of where you think land is. You don't even know. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, too, is, like, you know, once you get in the water, you're in the water, you know, and you can't see land 10 (laughs) miles away, so it's like... You know, you could go out there and swim, and even though you think you're going in the right direction, you can end up in the middle of the ocean. So it's like, all of it just sounds awful. And and that, having to make that decision, I mean, I'm not even exactly sure what I would do. Like, if every, if everybody was going <laughs> to the reef, I might be the one who stays behind on the boat. I don't know. I don't know what I would do. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I think that you would have to be heavily sedated to even get on the boat to begin with. I think I would have had to drug you. <laughs> That's true. So at this point, I've already sunk to the bottom anyway because I was too sedated to make it onto the top Pretty of the boat. <laughs> uh, that, that's the way I would prefer to go. Just kill, just kill me before I have to even make this decision. Um, uh, but anyway, so thank you, Haunt and Michelle, for the comment. Really appreciate it. Uh, next up is a comment from at Hot Horror Queen. So that's Hot Horror Queen. And they say... It was not only ethically filmed with actual sharks on location, but captures most of their natural pelagic behaviors. Effective tension, likable characters, and a subtle but successful score. I love so much the used real sharks. I think that that's such a cool thing. Um, and I'm super jealous of those actors. I don't know if they were shitty. I am shitty. not jealous of those actors. <laughs> I am the last person that would be jealous of those actors. I know, but you're, that's why you're sedated on the boat. And I'm going to the shark sanctuary. <laughs> we are so different when it comes to aquatic things yes we are no i i think that that's really cool i think the one thing that i was a little bit bummed about when i was doing research for this episode is i couldn't find a lot of information about like the shark wranglers and all of that they just shot all the sharks (laughs) that that makes me so sad in my heart. No, of course I'm kidding. I, I doubt that the sharks were harmed. <laughs> I, but no, it was. I I agree. Seeing their natural like reactions and behavior was so cool. It was so cool getting to see how they'd actually react in that situation as opposed to like, you know, it's cool seeing the sharks go chompy chompy in all the other shark movies. But like getting to watch them like thrash around makes them seem more terrifying, which I think is so cool. Well, it's them and they're more natural. It's some of their more natural omen. I mean, these aren't Sharknado sharks, you know, that are like, (laughs) 
that you you just you just can't be scared of because no. they look so fake and stupid, right? <laughs> yep. Uh, and, I, and and for those listening, I say that as someone who adores the Sharknado movies. All right. So, <laughs> um, but no, but the fact that they use real sharks, I, it adds it not only adds to the terror of, of the realism of the situation because you know you're not seeing fake sharks, you're seeing real sharks. You know, so they they either the actors were either in the scene with the sharks or they were using stock footage you know of mm-hmm. real sharks so so there's there's never a detachment from uh the realism of the situation and then on top of that by using real sharks you know quite often you probably have very real <laughs> fear from those actors you know because look you can love sharks all you want <laughs> if you have a shark suddenly thrash next to you in the water you might be a little yeah, freaked you, out for a second. You might have a moment. <laughs> I, th- I think that would be understandable, you know. Yeah. So, so I mean, to me, it, it like uh, like Haunt of Michelle mentioned, it is similar to open water in that sense because open water did the same thing, where two actors were basically put in a pool with sharks and had to sign waivers saying that <laughs> you know they wouldn't sue or that no one would sue if they died. <laughs> like, <laughs> damn. Uh, at least I think it was something like that. And so I don't know about what the situation here was with the reef, but. You know, it's that similar concept of like, no, we're going to make this as realistic as possible and we're going to use real sharks. And I, I think that that plays off big time in the reef. Yeah. And, and then I also agree. I love the score of this movie. The It's really subtle and eerie and just like gets right on your skin. Like it, it, it's depressing. Yes. <laughs> it's <a> depressing score. <laughs> uh, and it works very well with this. But anyway, thank you at Hot Horror Queen for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, next up is a comment from at umbrella underscore ops. And this is my buddy Jeffrey who used to write for us at Killer Horror Critic. What's up, Jeffrey? Uh, he says, I watched The Reef on a whim one night like eight years ago and totally fell in love with it. The way they filmed the circling sharks far off in the hazy water created such dread. Quite haunting, really. I think that that's some of the brilliance that is this film is I don't think that we're always aware when it comes to some of these underwater films how difficult it really would be to see things in the water because like sharks are designed like their coloring and everything that is designed to hide in the water and so I thought Mm. that that was so perfect although I did have moments because my eyesight is not great that when the shark was just blurry I was just kind of like is that a shark or is that just me? I'm fucking old. Can I just not see shit anymore? Well, you are fucking old and you are blind and you <laughs> can't see shit. But <laughs> That's true. <laughs> uh, which is why you would be useless in this situation. Um, I have all the shark facts to help us survive. No, no. You, you wouldn't be able to see shit, so you, <laughs> we couldn't use you. Um, but no, I, I agree with Jeffrey. And I, I think this is part of the brilliance of the film is that we keep going underwater and searching for the sharks. And more often than not, we don't see anything, you know? And and so the the film is very like Trocky is very patient in this movie in letting things play out, letting the dread build before they just you know punch us in the gut with the shark attacks. Like yeah. it, like it really takes a while in this movie before you know anything terribly traumatic happens, and it it just keeps you on the edge of your seat through the entire film because you're just waiting yeah. for one of these sharks to strike, and it is so chilling to just you know see these far off shadows in the water moving past the camera right and 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 having to kind of make out like oh is that a shark is that something else like it you know it 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 really like exemplifies the terror of the situation (laughs) uh but anyway thank you at umbrella underscore ops for the comment appreciate it and then last up is a comment from at bead germine so that's b-e-d-e-j-e-r-m-y-n this is also a buddy of mine, Beard, who uh, does a lot of great podcasts. 
including some with our friend uh, Super Marcy on Twitter. And so they do all kinds of great stuff. Go follow them too, as well as, well as everybody else I've mentioned. Uh, but he says, when I saw it over 10 years ago, I thought it was an okay, if a bit average film, especially after the director's previous film, Blackwater, which was really intense. However, I do want to give it a rewatch to see if I feel different about it now. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that this is an screw average bo- film. Screw both of you. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm not saying it's bad, and I am taking into account for me with this film is that, like, again, I do have a hard time emotionally connecting with, like, survivor movies like this. I have um, a hard time connecting with people in realistic situations that could happen to me. Look, I'm a <laughs> robot. What do you want from me? You are a robot. <laughs> I'm take you in for a greasing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that'll help. Yeah, for me, like, I think that it's okay, but when it comes down to it, like, I would I would rather watch something like Bait or The Shallows or any other yeah. movies we yeah, watched no, this Yeah, no, week. I get it. You want to turn your brain off for movies. I understand. <laughs> so. What about this movie has me turning my brain on? Everything. No. Everything, Chris. <laughs> I'm so curious to hear what theories no, no, no. you have. No, no, no. I, I get it. You want to have fun with your movies. The Reef is not a fun movie. I totally understand that. <laughs> yes, it's very depressing. <laughs> yeah, no. The the Reef is. It's a, it's a traumatic, dark, hard to watch movie in some ways. You know it because it it to me to look. It is the epitome of what a survival horror film is. You know, like survival horror movies tend to play realistically. They tend to be very dark they tend to be traumatic you know they, they there's a lot of things going on in these movies because they're they're playing for realism like yeah. the, these movies that are based on real events like this these survival horror films they're playing for that realism like they they want you to feel the the horror of the situation right so because of that a lot of them are not what i would call fun yeah. and, <laughs> and and look black you know Traki has uh his type of movie and and Blackwater is very similar. And I actually disagree with Bede. I think that both The Reef and Blackwater are very intense. I don't know what you're talking about, Bede. With, <laughs> and I can say this to Bede because we know each other. I don't know what you're talking about, Bede, with The, <laughs> with the Reef not being intense. This movie's very intense. Um, but although I will also say Blackwater is great. <laughs> so, yeah, I want to watch that one now. Uh, no, you don't because you don't like these kind of movies. <laughs> is it based on a true story? Uh, probably i don't remember it. <laughs> it's want to watch some crocodile carnage. it's a survival horror movie so it's gonna be a lot like the reef uh-huh. um uh but anyway so uh but no but but like he mentions you know he wants to give it a rewatch and, and i would say definitely do that and if you have seen the reef before and didn't enjoy it as much the first time well now that you know how dark and depressing it is i would recommend giving <laughs> it another shot just to see if you like it better this time but uh anyway thank you Bede, for the comment appreciate it and so uh, last thing we'd like to do before we get into spoilers here is just tagline versus the film and what we think of it overall. So the tagline with the reef was, pray that you drown first. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I Yeah, it works. It's fine. Of course it works. Yeah. I would love to drown first instead of I having to deal with the situation. <laughs> fucking, fucking fill my lungs with all the water you want and let them <laughs> and let them pop like balloons, all right? I would so much rather do that. And look, I, I say this as someone who understands that drowning is a horrible way to die and how painful it actually would be. I would rather drown. <laughs> let me drown instead of going through 24 hours of swimming in the fucking water with sharks <laughs> just so I can eventually be eaten. Fuck that. <laughs> I'm going to take the sharks because then I get to pet a shark. No, you don't. What do you not? You don't get Wait, to pet. You, you think that while I'm getting beaten, I, while I'm getting eaten, I'm not going to like reach out with my hand. I'm just going to like lie there limp. 
I'm pretty sure that as you're being bitten in half by giant serrated teeth uh, and torn to shreds, that you're probably not going to think to yourself, oh, I should pet him and see what he feels like. <laughs> I mean, I'm probably going to be punching him, but basically the same thing. No, no, I don't. I don't think I don't think if I were to punch <laughs> our dog right now, you would say stop petting him so hard. <laughs> well, he's the size of a bread loaf. He can't take that kind of abuse. I don't, no dog. Uh, you wouldn't. You wouldn't tell any child to stop petting the dog so hard if they were walloping them in the face with their fist. <laughs> this is why we don't have kids. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So no. 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 It's not petting. You're not going to pet them. But. But no. I mean. I mean. I think the tagline's fine. I think it works for it. it. It definitely instills the emotion that I would have, and I would just say, you know, for. For the reef, I did do a little bit of research into this, and while I'm not 100% on my facts here, I it, it does seem to be based, as far as I can tell, on this thing that happened around 1983, I want to say, mm -hmm. uh, in Australia, where uh, a man named Ra Ray Boundy and a couple of his friends were in a similar situation, boat capsized, and they all uh, tried to swim the shore, and I won't say exactly how that worked out uh <laughs> but let's just say that did not go very well for everyone and, and yeah and 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 eventually yeah they found themselves hunted by a tiger shark uh so which is a very deadly shark but anyway yep, number two number two um but yeah no i, I i'll just end this part with like i it, this film is my nightmare <laughs> yes <laughs> it is truly my nightmare and and so like you know the reef is not a movie where you know, I sit down and I go, man, I can't wait to watch The Reef tonight. You know, like, it's not it's not one that I crave in that sense. It's not like Friday the 13th, Jason Lives, right? You know, where I just, like, can watch it any time. It's a film that you do have to be somewhat in the mood for. Um, but, but that being said, I think it's a very effective movie, uh, which is why, you know, I, I do think it's a really well-made film. I do think that it does exactly what it wants to achieve. It gets under the skin the way that it means to, and... And yeah, I, I really enjoy is not the word I want to put on it, but I really, let's put it this way. I really respect this film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it's well-crafted, but since it's not my nightmare, I just don't find it as effective, unfortunately. You're a monster. I um, am a monster. <laughs> all right. So so anyway, so we're getting into the spoilers now. So again, if you have not seen The Reef, it is streaming uh, all over the place, or, or you should be able to find it streaming somewhere, either on Tubi or Shutter, or possibly Prime. Uh, and and I think it's worth the rental if you're in the shark movies and you're looking for something that's a little bit more dread filled and depressing. <laughs> and depressing. Um, but anyway, so again, the spoiler territory now. So as usual, who do you want to talk about with this? You know, we've got our main character Luke, played by Damian Walsh, howling. His buddy Matt, played by Guyton Grantley. Uh, love interest Kate played by Zoe Naylor Matt's girlfriend Susie played by Adrian Pickering who do you want to talk about <laughs> so I want to talk about the one person you didn't mention uh, and that's Warren who's basically the shipmate who's played by Kieran Darcy Smith look I fucking love Warren but what I find really interesting about him is that he's pretty much a harbinger um, which I don't feel like you see very You're often in Shark. Doomed. Yeah. Doomed. <laughs> <laughs> like they capsize, and that's pretty much like his only line is get me the fuck out of this water. I fished these waters. I am not going anywhere near these waters. Yeah, no, he would be me in that situation. Yep. <laughs> like like this the second that everybody's like, Come on, get in the water, it's gonna be fine. I would be like, Motherfuckers, 
I know what's in that water. You're all <laughs> fucked. I'm not getting in that water. You cannot make me. You're all going to die. <laughs> Maybe that's why I like him is because he reminds me of you. <laughs> in a good way. Yeah, no, I mean, he, he 100% is. And, and he's totally a harbinger, you know, because he, he is the, like, like he mentions, he's the only one that has fished those waters. Mm-hmm. He, he knows what's in that water, you know. So he is, like the harbinger typically does, he is the one that actually has knowledge of the situation and is trying to tell all these dumb teenagers, they're not teenagers, but is trying to tell all the dumb teenagers, like, turn around, motherfuckers, or you are going to die. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, you know, per usual, nobody listens. So. No. I'm, here's the thing I'll say with Warren, because we're going to talk about characterization, like our characters in this movie. And I think Warren exemplifies really why a lot of people respond well to the wreath is this is a character where we have all of what like five minutes screen time ten minutes screen time a little bit more than that but yeah not much yeah but like even with that small amount of time he is endeared to us they do a good job of of endearing this character we spend little time with and making his his end really heartbreaking because he just sinks to the bottom of the ocean so I'm confused. You you have <laughs> you're endeared to these characters. You you say you say it's heartbreaking, but yet you have no sympathy for them. Okay, well, so Warren, I have sympathy for. I, it's here's the thing with this movie. It's one of those situations where, like, logically, I can look at it and I can see how this is how people like it, and it's a well crafted film. But for me personally, as a person, I just can't like relate well to like unbridled panic. That just is not even, an emotion I deal well with. And so even that. Even though you are a person that panics often. <laughs> yeah. I'm a tiny stress monster, so I don't want to deal with anybody else's stress. So I don't know if it's necessarily like the fault of the movie. But, it's not. <laughs> yeah. But still, I'm not emotionally connecting with it. So I don't like it as much. Yeah. It's, it's 100% on you. Um, oh, <laughs> I didn't blame the movie. I just said that it's not effective for me. Who I want to talk about just really quick is. And really quick, because I don't have much to say about it, but is uh, is Matt played by Guyton Grantley? Not only because he has my namesake, um, <laughs> and and look, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say this: it, it frustrates me to no end that like a Matt character never survives a horror movie. <laughs> why y'all? Why y'all gotta kill me all the time? Why am I always dying? <laughs> why are the Matts always like one of the first people to die? I don't get it. <laughs> You're just not gonna survive a horror film. Apparently, I mean, I know that I wouldn't, but still, you know, I'd like I'd like to see a Matt make it at some point. You know, I don't think I've ever, it, very rarely have I seen a Matt survive a horror movie. Um, but but no, I just wanted to mention him because he 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 strikes curiosity in me because you know his, his sister in this film is Kate, who is Luke's love interest. We get the idea that Luke and Matt are very good friends, and I I, I try to decipher like is Matt trying to push kate and luke getting back together like is he trying to hook his sister up with his best friend is he is he i i get the sense that he is because when they get to the the first reef where they stop at the island or whatever you know he he watches uh luke and kate go off into you know a little palm tree area uh to go do their thing right Mm -hmm. and he seems to look back at them with like this nodding approval of like that's right my sister and my best friend are gonna fuck (laughs) you (laughs) guys go fuck you have my approval right like he just he gives this sort of look of like 
I'm okay with this, you know? Is he okay with it, or is it more so that he just wanted alone time with his girlfriend? Well, I mean, of course he probably wants that too, but I'm just saying, <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying, <laughs> like, of course they're not going to focus on that because he just wants time with his girlfriend. They don't even do anything. They're like going, <laughs> they go and scamper in the water, you know? like <laughs> To go fuck. No, it's not fucking when you just go into the shallow end of the water and kick your feet around. Like, <laughs> so no, I, I'm just, it, it just, it just, it, it fits into the theme with it because, you know, as we're going to talk about with this, like, there's a heavy emphasis on sort of relationships and how they're approached in this movie, uh, where I'm going to put my thinking cap on and like try to get to the, <laughs> try to get to the bottom of what the hell's going on here in my the reef. My favorite part of the episode. But I guess, you know, b- before we talk about that, like, let's talk about a little bit more of the fact that this is based on a true story, right? So, you know, how... We've kind of already mentioned a little bit, but, like, how do you feel about the fact that this is based on a true story? And I guess let me ask maybe, like, what would... What do you think about the fact this happened? That this really happened? And what what do you think you would do in this situation? Since you want to <laughs> since you want to criticize everyone in this film and act like you would be better than them. <laughs> how would you do this? <laughs> well, look, I will, I will agree with you that this is terrifying that it's based on a true, uh, a true event. Um, that's, would be horrifying, being lost. Would it? Would it, Chris? Well, yeah, being stuck <laughs> is, is not pleasant. And look, it's, I guess for me with it, like, I don't know. I want, I want to think that if I was in that situation, that I would just be able to focus on what needs to get done. And then when the shark showed up, I'm hoping that my panic would just channel into, I have a shit ton of shark facts. I'm going to stay calm. If the shark comes for me, I'm going to fight it and punch it and hope to scare it off. And then maybe it won't try to eat us. But I think it's also something for me of just like, if a shark's coming for you, you're just, you're just fucked. Like, you can't, you can't really fight that. If a shark decides that it's going to eat you, I think I'd just be like, so, oh, I've had a, had a good life. So, so, so you threw out <laughs> the film saying like, why are they splashing like that? If they just stop splashing, then it would leave them alone. So, so now you're contradicting that is what you're telling me? <laughs> well, look, like, it's a tough thing. I did stupid amounts of research while we were watching this film. But, like, look, if it was me, like, knowing the shark facts that I do, yeah, I'm not going to be splashing around. I'm not. I'm going to try really <laughs> hard not to. That's bullshit. <laughs> look, you just do the, like, the breaststroke, which is going to, like, be less splashy and attract their attention I, less. I almost I almost want to run a poll on Twitter for our listeners and be like, how many of you think that Chris would actually keep her cool and hold it together and not splash if a giant great white came at her in the water <laughs> like <laughs> if you do that poll then i feel like there has to be an option of how many people like, think that kirsten swim towards the shark like uh, i mean that might be a possibility too you might swim right into its mouth if this was the meg you might literally swim right into its mouth trying to pet it <laughs> and not realizing that it was just gonna swallow you whole so, like, there's a good possibility of that i mean i i'm so ready to just like airlift you into a shark infested waters and just like drop you over a shark and <laughs> and see how you react to it I want to go to like the shark sanctuaries. Yeah, I well, that's a shark sanctuary, Chris. That's not you on a little paddleboard in the middle of the ocean by yourself <laughs> being hunted by a shark that wants to eat you. Why, why do I feel like this is just how you're gonna murder me? It is. A, it might be. <laughs> it might be just so you I can should... just so I can finally look at you and be like, "See, I knew you were afraid, just like I was this whole time, you bullshitter." <laughs> fucking panic, bitch. <laughs> fucking panic, motherfucker. <laughs> 
<laughs> fucking criticize me for wanting to splash in the water. You fucking splash. <laughs> Look, uh, before anyone thinks I actually wanted to kill my wife, uh, I mean, hey, we're, we're married, you know, doesn't everyone want to a little bit? Um, <laughs> uh, and, and look, let's be honest, if I was going to, I mean, yeah, throw them in the ocean where their remains are going to be eaten so there's no proof, of course. <laughs> <laughs> At uh, least now we know if I go missing what happened to me. Oh, obviously. Um, <laughs> no, please don't report me to the cops. I would like to get away with it. Uh, so <laughs> No, I mean, as as far as I go, you know, it's. I think I think what what strikes me about it being based on a true story, other than the fact that it's my worst nightmare and it's horrifying <laughs> and it's the sort of thing that keeps me up at night if I ever have to do anything like this, is the fact that, you know, I think that the fact that it really did happen strikes at a, a part of the theme in this film, which is this idea that you know life can suddenly. <laughs> It's kind of on the nose here. Life can suddenly turn upside down <laughs> uh, as the boat does at any moment. You know, like like as Chris and I are recording this, you know, one of us can suddenly have a brain hemorrhage and drop dead. And then, <laughs> and then you know, that's a pretty significant life change for, yeah. for one of us. And so, like, you know, and, and that's just kind of life. And, and I feel like, you know, the reef sort of works that way in a sense where – you know, not only is the boat kind of representative of that, but the sharks themselves, where it's like, you know, these characters are swimming and they have these sharks that are slowly coming closer and circling them and, you know, over a period of 24 hours, like, getting closer. Mm-hmm. And that's, and and then they just strike suddenly. And that, to me, is, you know, kind of reflective of life in the sense that, you know, we can look all around us, we can see danger and problems and whatever that are, you know, kind of becoming more prevalent and then these things just a lot, oftentimes, you know, strike very unexpectedly. Like, that's just life. It strikes unexpectedly. So the fact that it's based on a true story, I think, just, you know, kind of reminds us of that, of, like, you know, one moment you're you're off with your friends sailing and, you know, enjoying the reef like a bunch of assholes. And then... And then... The, <laughs> They're just and, snorkeling. And then, the, and then the next, your boat's overturned, you're getting eaten by a shark. You know, it's just, like, that's life. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, no, that's how I see it. I mean, that's fair enough. I am kind of curious, considering that this is your nightmare, like, what are your thoughts on how the film dealt with sharks and using live sharks? Okay, so this is where, <laughs> uh, so this is where I put on my, my thinking cap, a.k.a. my, my dumb cap. Um, so <laughs> thinking cap for the sharks? Yeah, of course I am. So, uh, so well, first of all, you know, my, my less stupid answer, um... <laughs> Is just like I said before, you know, I, I love the fact that it's a more realistic approach. I I do think that that enhances the terror of it. And, and I, you know, I appreciate films like this that uh, that manage to use uh, real animals for these kinds of movies, you know, because it's it's a difficult thing to do. But mm-hmm. it but it does really, you know, add an extra level of terror to the movie because it does make it feel more realistic. And these animal attack movies you know, are, are meant to be that way unless you're doing something like Deep Blue Sea, you know, they're they're meant to feel that way because you're supposed to put yourself in that position and feel like this could really happen to me, you know? Yeah. Uh, especially when you're doing something like this based on a true story. So, so I love the realistic approach to it, and I like that with that, the film isn't really taking a stance of sharks or monsters because at the same time, you know, even though even though you have characters like Warren that are commenting on the fact of like i know what's in that water i'm not getting in that water mm-hmm. you know he, he's like look i mean sharks aren't likely to eat you 
But if you're swimming in shark-infested waters, you know, yeah. it, it, there's a chance that something might happen to you. And so, like, so the film's not really taking a stance against it, though, because you also have, you know, moments like when they meet, uh, I think, Shane, the, the shop owner or whatever, you know, who says something like, uh, you're more likely to die from a bee sting than getting killed by a shark. You know, like, the film's trying to make the point of, Sharks are not the fucking devil, mm-hmm. but if you end up in a bad situation with sharks, like, good luck, you know? <laughs> yeah, there's dangers when you enter their natural habitat. Exactly. You go fucking with sharks and they might fuck with you. Exactly. <laughs> I have to admit what I would what I would really like to see in terms of, like, a live shark movie is I really want somebody to do a, th- uh, a thresher movie because they have these tails that can, like, whip and knock you unconscious yeah but aren't threshers like not overly aggressive yeah. or whatever <laughs> i want to watch them whip things with their tail chris is like fuck you jaws for making people hate sharks but i want to do this movie that makes people hate threshers <laughs> <laughs> even though there's nothing to fear <laughs> if i'm if i'm gonna keep watching shark films which i love doing i just want to see some different sharks that's all I'm asking. It's not too much. Yeah, and I wish that tiger sharks looked like tigers, but they don't, Chris. They no, don't. No, <laughs> they don't. So, so look, okay, as far as my weird theory here that goes with this, so where, I, th- I think, look, this whole month's kind of been like, what does the shark mean in the movie? Because, <laughs> you know, oddly enough, every shark film we've talked about this month kind of has a little bit of a thematic element to it, right? Like, uh, a little bit of a thematic element with the sharks. And... In the case of The Reef, my viewpoint on it is that the sharks are... How do I put this? You know that saying, there's plenty of fish in the sea? Yes. (laughs) I sort of view the sharks in a sense of like that... (laughs) They're in In a sense, they're kind of life and just the fact that life can like upend with you at any time okay but i also in a pseudo sense view them as like those other fish in the sea that fuck up your relationship (laughs) so like (laughs) now hear me hear me out on why okay i'm sorry i i just need to make this clear you're saying that this shark represents the person that you potentially cheat on your loved one with i'm saying that the sharks are home records (laughs) (laughs) okay this is my favorite theory you've had this month so, How is the shark a homewrecker? Okay, so so <laughs> in this case, I'm going, I, I'm going, I'm going very like reading into elements of the movie, right? So, so let's look at one thing. First of all, who's the first person to die in this film? It's Warren that we know of. You know, we never see his death, mm-hmm. but we do have the very chilling moment where he's on the boat by himself, and there's sharks like thrashing all around the boat. So, and and he's never recovered. So we, we get the sense that he died, right? Yeah. Now, Warren is the only single person in this film. Like, technically, Luke and Kate aren't together, mm-hmm. but they're kind of a thing, right? Yeah. Warren's the only one who's not a thing. Mm-hmm. So, so I sort of view it as like, okay, so if we're playing it like that, you know, Warren's kind of like, the guy who gets left behind as life goes on because you know everybody gets their relationships and marriage and kids and houses and all that kind of stuff and warren's like the single party dude who wants to be a frat boy forever who 
you know, never finds the one and gets left behind. Like, that's... <laughs> My poor Warren does not deserve to be compared to a frat dude. <laughs> no, he doesn't. But you know what I mean? Like, we all kind of have, like, you either are that person in your friend circles or you're, or you know someone like that, right? Yeah. Who's just like, you know, and that's fine. Like, it's totally okay. Like love is love and we all find you know there's someone out for us for everyone out there and some of us just don't really want to participate in that and that's okay that's fine but but this is basically the film you know kind of being like hey you know so warren doesn't really have his person so we get him first you know (laughs) fuck you (laughs) single person the 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 sharks that are out there (laughs) get him first right and then and then you have matt so like matt's the next one to go and what happens with him you know they're they're swimming and all of a sudden you know the 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 paddleboard gets you know further away and and he it's like a distraction almost like he he suddenly <laughs> he suddenly leaves Susie to go to go wander off and and get this paddleboard and and then he gets attacked by a shark so in a sense it's almost like you know here's this really solid couple and for just one moment Matt got distracted and and you know uh, left Susie behind for a moment and then that and then that's it the relationship's over uh-huh. <laughs> uh and then and then she's the next to go because well now well, she's single well now she's single again and so you know she gets taken by another like fish in the sea so you know it's just that kind of thing and and the reason I'm putting such a focus on this is because you know we're gonna talk because because basically like Luke and Kate's relationship is like the central part of this movie mm-hmm. and and to me you know kind of what's going on here with luke and kate is there's a fear of commitment yeah. you know so that's why i'm looking at the sharks as kind of being like these sort of other fish in the sea these distractions these other people these mm-hmm. wreckers, right <laughs> uh is because is because luke and kate their problem is that there's a fear of commitment that's coming from kate yeah you know and and, and luke a little bit too but it's mostly kate where it's like you know, it, it, you get the sense with the two of them that they want to be together, but there's this sort of fear of like become of what that means to be together. Yeah. You know. Well, Kate fears the unknown. Yeah, Kate fears the unknown, uh, and and you know, Luke seems to want nothing to do with that nonsense, right? Like <laughs> Luke wants wants to put a stamp on it, kind of. And <laughs> yeah, Luke's very decisive. Like. My whole thing with it, I don't know if I would say I see the sharks as homewreckers, but I do think it plays very much into the relationship because we are seeing that it's really Kate who wants to be together, but since she doesn't know how it's going to turn out, since she's not certain of a happily ever after, she's not really willing to do any kind of commitment. And I think that that's true for all of her life. I think that she has a hard time making leaps of faith, just kind of going for something. And for me, that's what the shark is, is these these bumps that we deal with during life, these unexpected things, all the things that Kate is not good at dealing with, not good at pushing through and putting herself through. Oh, for sure. I mean, I still think it's fun to look at them as homewreckers. And, I know you do. And, 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 look, and look, part of the reason I said that too is because you know, Matt is this character that expresses himself as, like, being kind of the horny one in the group, right? Where he's talking about, like, getting fucking boners working out. <laughs> and so he just sort of strikes me as, like, okay, of any of the four, if they were going to cheat on the person they're with, it's probably the horny dude getting boners at the gym, hey, right? So like, go fuck another gym girl. Right, so it makes sense that he's kind of, like, the first to go in that sense, right? Yeah. But no, I'm with you. I think that the sharks are kind of, you know, representative of, like, just problems that come up, you know, in these... And these sort of issues that life throws at you. I mean, that's kind of, you know, that's what a lot of these things are in horror is, you know, talking about 
these sort of life issues and fears that come around that we don't expect and have to deal with. But, but you know, but but it's just it, there is a really heavy emphasis on just the idea of commitment between Luke and Kate. You know, where you got things like uh, there's there's the point where <laughs> there's the point where the boat's sinking, right? And you can sort of look at this boat as like uh, their relationship in a sense. Mm-hmm. And and Luke says something of you know this boat's uh, this boat's gonna sink and it's gonna sink soon and it's almost like you know being a prophet with their relationship sort of of like look we either patch this boat up and you know fix the problem or or it's done for you know yeah and that you know that's sort of indirectly kind of talking about them and and you know like you mentioned Kate's afraid of commitment she's afraid of the unknown and it's why she's the last one to jump in mm-hmm. you know it's not because she's afraid of the sharks I mean yes on the surface that's what it is but deep down, it's more, you know, kind of focusing on the idea that she is afraid of the unknown. She's afraid of what it means to have a future with Luke. She doesn't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, she'd rather stay with the sinking boat that she knows and understands than make that leap of faith. That's why I think that moment is when it really hits her that if she does not become more flexible, more willing to trust people, um, and take those risks, she's gonna get left behind. Because I think there's a part of Kate that we get from the beginning, like um, when she's telling Luke when they're first talking, kind of in the cabin of the ship, where she's saying, I miss you to him. And he's just like, cool, you left me. So, I mean, you're the one who could change this. So I think that moment where she realizes that even though she cares about Luke, if she's not willing to make that jump, follow him be with him she's gonna get left behind i think mm. that realization well, hits her well it's it's kind of why i view the the island that they're swimming to as like commitment island <laughs> because <laughs> you know because she has this line where she says something of like you know she doesn't want to swim to an island they can't see mm-hmm. and and what really is a commitment and a relationship but a future that you're uncertain of you know yeah so like when you're let's put it this way like when you're single you know, there, there's more of this idea of, like, you kind of make your own future in a sense. Like, either way, the future's unknown. But when you're single, it's kind of, like, all about your decisions and whatever. And when you're with somebody, you know, like me and my loving wife, uh, <laughs> when, when you're with someone, you know, they're, both of you are making decisions. There's a commitment between both of you. And it makes the future a little less uncertain in a sense because, you know, when you're when you're committed to somebody... You know, like, you don't know how long it's going to last. You don't mm. know if it's going to last forever, if it's going to last 10 days. You know, you just don't know. Um, so there's, there's like, a, you know, there's a weariness to that uh, for someone who's afraid to get hurt. You know, there's a weariness to uh, to making that commitment. So so I kind of view her as, like, saying that as, you know, yeah, the, the island's like commitment because they're they're basically, like, you know, this whole film is about are they going to get back together or not? That's kind of mm-hmm. what's at the heart of it. And them swimming towards this island is like them, you know, trying to reach that place of like getting back together and having this future together, which which is why I think that, you know, that ending with <laughs> with her not being able to uh, to lift Luke up and pull him onto the island. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's pretty fucking symbolic of like just it wasn't going to work, you know, yeah. like that's pretty symbolic of like her fear of commitment is she can't pull herself together enough to like take that extra step and actually, 
you know, put aside the fear and, 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 you know, maintain and get this future with Luke. So. Yeah. Well, and I think to that point, that ending dialogue between the two of them really kind of hits home why their relationship wouldn't potentially work because you've got Luke. The language is very specific. You've got Luke yelling, get me out, not help me, not like pull me out or anything like it's get me out. He's trying desperately to get pulled out of this terrible situation. Mm. And her final line is not like no or anything like that. It's Luke come home. Like, and I think that's very symbolic to what we're talking about is her not being able to get her shit together to, you know, bridge whatever gaps she needs to for them to be, be able to connect ultimately means he's going to get taken away by the homewrecker shark <laughs> and she's going to be left going, well, are you are you coming home? Well, I mean, you know, look, part of the thing with him coming home and her saying that is that, you know, Luke's job is basically saying all over the world, right? Yeah. And And Kate used to do it with him and you sort of get the sense of like, okay, well, maybe Kate likes the adventure but maybe kate wants stability Mm -hmm. you know and and maybe and that's kind of what this island is it represents stability you know and and maybe she wants that with luke but luke's maybe not quite ready to make that commitment either you know so that's part of his i mean he's screaming get me out what's that (laughs) he's screaming get me out he wants to be on commitment i'm island with her well maybe he does you know but but that's part of her fear is like is he going to be on commitment island with her or is he gonna be you know surfing around the world like (laughs) you know like that i think that's part of her fear is she doesn't like the idea maybe of you know him with this career where he's just sailing all over the place like she wants stability right Mm -hmm. and and i don't know i mean obviously you know any of these series can be kind of torn apart like who knows maybe kate's actually the one who's not stable and maybe luke's more stable like we don't really know Mm -hmm. but but from what you can kind of gather from it you know, the the heart of it is still the same, is that there's there's a problem with the commitment they have to each other. Yeah. <laughs> and it's why they're not together anymore. It's why they want to be together but still aren't sure about it. And, you know, the, the shark is basically just, yeah, this big old life problem that's, <laughs> you know, that's keeping them apart, basically. <laughs> yeah. That fucking homewrecker shark. That fucking homewrecker. That fucking gorgeous, hot... <laughs> Fishy sexy home wrecker. That sexy home wrecking <laughs> shark. Um, <laughs> you know what? As a shark lover, I can totally understand that. I would also be distracted by a shark. There are some really what I think stupid decisions made in this film. In regards, you would think that, <laughs> yeah. In regards to trying to go and get wayward floaties that have drifted off. So I'm curious, like, what what's your thought about both Matt and Luke being like, "There's a shark. Fuck it. I'm gonna go go, go get that floaty." Well, first of all, I don't think getting the floaties is a dumb decision because if they if they only have one, there's four of them, and I'm pretty sure that one's not enough for all four. So, uh, but that being said, yes, Matt swimming off by himself to go get it is a foolish decision because right after the shark. Well, because well, right after they see the shark, and plus all four of them could have you know swam over to it. He didn't have to do it by himself. But that being said, I, I view I view the floaties as like hope, you know, <laughs> because you know float like basically you know throughout life you know hope hope is that thing that keeps us afloat, right? <laughs> I mean, look, I I I have to say, 
I have never loved you more than during this episode. Why? <laughs> I don't know. I just like your theories with everything. It's endearing. Okay. Well, I mean, I think I'm on to something here. I don't think this is nonsense, <laughs> but, uh, but no, I mean, think about it. Like, you know, I mean, yes, is it kind of on the nose? Sure. But I believe that that's what the writer's doing is being on the nose with this is yeah. that, is that, you know, hope is what keeps us afloat. So like in our darkest times, you know, it's very easy to slip into to just feeling like things are hopeless. I mean, for God's sakes, you know, look around the world of, with us right now, you know, it, it would be so easy to just like give up and be like, oh man, you know, it's hopeless. Nothing's ever going to get better, blah, blah, blah. And the reason that many of us don't and that those who are feeling that way, what I hope gets them out of that is that you just have to have hope, you know, mm -hmm. like that you just have to, you just have to feel like, you know, look, tomorrow might be a really terrible day or today might be a really terrible day, but maybe tomorrow will be better. And maybe the day after that will be better, you know, or maybe next year will be better. Like you just have to, you have to have hope. And even though hope itself is sort of, you know, a, a fool's errand in a sense of like, you know, it, you know, it, it'd be pretty easy to argue if I said like, it's okay, guys, next year will be better. It's easy to say, but probably not, yeah. you know? Yeah. And maybe it won't be, but you know, what's the point then? If you're not going to, if you're not going to keep hoping that like, you know, things can be better, that your own life can be better, that life for people you love is, can be better. Right. Mm -hmm. So so hope is that thing that keeps us afloat. It's that thing that keeps us going when, you know, when there's so many things that, that are pulling us down, right? Like these fucking goddamn home record charts. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so these floaties, you know, they're, they're kind of like that. They're like hope in the sense that, you know, they are literally what is keeping these characters afloat. And I think that by having, you know, Matt swim out to that floaty, it's almost like, you know, Matt kind of seems like one of the more optimistic characters, right? Who, mm -hmm. Who's sort of like, you know, he's the one who's like, ah, Luke, Luke knows what he's talking about. It's going to be fine, right? And so he strikes me as that character who's like, look, everybody else is kind of giving up hope. We just saw a shark. We seem kind of fucked. And he's the one character who's like, no, no, no. I'm going to go grab this little bit of hope that we just lost. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, literally, that's what's like, it is so fucking on the nose. It's almost embarrassing where it's like, they see the shark. The floaty goes away. It's like it's like losing hope. And Matt's like, no, 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 guys. Hold on. I'm going to go get us some hope back, right? But then he gets eaten immediately. Well, the film's not <laughs> making a point of hope solves everything, right? The film, if anything, the film's an antithesis against that of saying, like, you know, it, it, the film sort of goes against everything I just said, where it's like, look, you can hope all you want, but sometimes life is just going to fuck you, and that's all there is to it. Like, you know, sometimes sometimes a homewrecking shark's just going to bite you in the ass, and that, you know, that's it. That's all there is to it. Like, you know, so so I, I still think the theme is there of Matt's trying to regain this hope that they need. The film is not supporting him in that. Like, you know. But yeah, just it, the floaties to me just all strike me as these characters that are desperately just trying to hang on. Yeah. They're trying to hang on to something, you know, they're trying to hang on to something to keep them afloat and not just let them give up. And so I kind of think that's what those are. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. I think that it's also potentially saying with it that you, while you don't want to lose hope, you also have to be smart about how you hold on to it. Like, so with, with Matt. It's a smart way to hold on to hope. <laughs> well, I think that it's like, I think the smart way to do it is not rely on like, 
unhealthy coping mechanisms or stuff like that. Like you don't want to blindly chase after hope into a situation that could be dangerous. So like Matt makes a bad choice of trying to grasp at their hope during a dangerous moment because that's something that to your point, he could have gone with the group. He could have waited a second until they were for sure knew that the shark was gone, but he was so desperate to hold on to that that he put them in a worse position. Sure. Whereas with with Luke later on in the movie, he is a little bit more conscientious. He checks for the shark. He tries to make sure that he's doing it safely. And in that way, he is able to hold on to it. He just dies because his would-be girlfriend can't pull him up onto Commitment Rock. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So basically, Chris is just like, look, some of you, your hope is stupid. (laughs) No, I'm just saying, like, be aware of the situation and know whether are you going after a hope that's actually going to keep you afloat and not potentially drag you down more no no no, i get you like yeah you know sometimes there's blind hope and and that Mm -hmm. can and that can definitely screw you over in the end i still think that ultimately hope is just a good thing to have in general yeah uh but but you are right that you know there there are times where it's like maybe maybe think more critically about it i don't know (laughs) but it's just it's just such a it's just such a like tough topic because it's like you don't want to tell people not to have hope yeah (laughs) It's like uh, you want to have have hope and and good things that help keep you afloat. But like if you, for example, think that you can keep afloat and find hope at the bottom of a bottle, well, maybe reconsider. Well, right. I guess guess if it's like, you know, hey, uh, snort and coke, if that's your method of hope, you know, maybe that's not a healthy method of hope for you. That's what I'm getting at. (laughs) Yeah, I got you. So, all right, we got to start wrapping up. So who is your killer idiot of the reef? Uh, Luke, because he's terrible at driving a boat. I don't understand how he has a job. How the fuck is it Luke? Luke doesn't. Luke wrecks two boats. Luke wrecks one boat for one. And and the thing with that is, I mean, it's like, what do you want them to do? I mean, they're 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 on a fucking reef with the tide lowering. There's not really much he can do because they can't even see the fucking coral. So like, <laughs> I mean, I guess for me it's that thing of just like your job is to drive boats. So I feel like you should be aware, more aware of the tides. This is when I get hypercritical of the characters. Yeah, well, every one of us <laughs> takes driver's license to drive cars. Doesn't mean that we don't crash. Like, it doesn't... He's, you know. He still wrecks two boats. Two boats. No, no. Fuck that. No. He's <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, you know, accidents happen. It's an accident. I mean, yes. Do, do, do two boats encounter an incident in this? Yeah, and I would say that's more on the writer than than Luke because, you know, I I don't think either of them's Luke's fault, especially the second one. There, I don't even understand honestly how the second one happens because it seems like they're far enough away from the reef that they wouldn't have hit anything. And he's not even the one driving the boat at the time. He's going down to make fucking breakfast. Exactly. He's leaving his boat unattended. Like, I have to assume that there's ways. What, like, if he's, if he's what is sailing he, boats what is that he, often. What is he leaving unattended? He just, First of all, he puts Kate on it, okay, who actually knows how to drive the damn boat. And then Kate's the stupid one who tells Susie to handle it. And second of all, it's not like they have some monitor that's, like, beeping every time they come near something, you know? So, like, you can't even see what... No, 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 no. It is not Luke. I, I like how I always like to challenge you on your killer idiots because I never feel like they're the most, they're the dumbest person in the movie. <laughs> I don't care. I think Luke's dumb. 
well, fine. So I actually chose the dumbest person in the movie. In that. <laughs> and that is Matt for swimming for the goddamn floaty when they knew the shark was literally right there. Like it had just attacked them. Yeah, that's pretty fucking stupid. <laughs> pretty fucking stupid, right? Yeah. He's kind of the dumbest one in the right. <laughs> no, Luke wrecks two boats. All right, whatever. Uh, who was your killer death in The Reef? Luke's. <laughs> Yeah, no, me too. Uh, why for you, though? I'm, like, it's the killer death for me because I think it's the most emotional. Yeah. Um, with, with both Matt and Susie, they kind of go under pretty quick. Um, you know, Matt's death is, is pretty emotional for the, um, you know, Kate holding him as he dies in that moment. But it's really Luke's, like, as she's holding on to him and trying to pull him up, that is kind of heartbreaking. Yeah, it's not kind of heartbreaking. It's very heartbreaking, you know, especially because uh, I, I think we as an audience, you know, we're so used to our heroes making it, you know, and and, mm-hmm. it, and especially in those moments, like towards the end, we're we're used to the heroes saving, <laughs> you know, whoever. And so in this case, you know, whether you consider Luke or Kate the hero or both, um, you expect that they're both going to make it. Mm-hmm. You know, you expect that they're going to make it together. And so when they don't, and it's literally just because, like, they have plenty of time in a sense, and it's literally just because Kate can't pull him up. Nope. I mean, fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> that is, it is tragic, you know? Like, any one of us can put it. And, and I think that that's really representative of life, too, you know? And just the sense that, uh, you know, <laughs> again, it's like, why these realistic movies, they these realism or these survival horror films that are based around realism, you know, they hit, they hit so hard (laughs) in a lot of ways, you know, because not only are they so focused on the terror, but they more than more often than not, they, they have these sort of endings that are just like, look, life isn't a movie, you know, (laughs) like, like bad shit happens and you're not always going to save everyone, you know? And so, yeah, just having, having her try to pull him up and they can't do it and he gets taken from her like holding her hand like that, that's pretty fucking rough like yeah. and, and, that, and that's the real trauma of the reef is you know it, it, kate kate does not have a happy ending like just cause, <laughs> just because she survives like she is going to be reliving that moment for the rest of her life right yeah. so, uh so on that dark note who's your killer mvp of the reef uh so i couldn't find if they had a shark wrangler or anything like that on this film so i went with the marine coordinator uh uh gordon jones okay. um or the safety diver uh che mcginnis um because they would have been the people responsible for dealing with the shark and keeping everybody safe and i think that's a really cool job that doesn't really get like talked about much um so because having the live shark is such an integral part of this movie the shark people have it they get the award all right fair enough um <laughs> I don't actually know how much live shark is in the scene with the characters, but I'll give it to you. I mean, there is the one shot where the shark comes up like right next to all of them. That's pretty damn effective. But exactly. Uh, so, so with this, I just went with the director Andrew Trocky. I just think mm-hmm. that you know the script is fine as it is, but I just think that the film is so is so well directed and well timed with the dread and the horror of it that. You know, it it really does. Like this film, this film takes its time in just the right way. You know, I think I think the term slow burn gets misinterpreted a lot. I think a lot of times, if you describe a film as a slow burn to somebody, they might automatically kind of turn off to it and be like, "Oh, I don't know if I'm really interested in that." You know, because mm-hmm. uh, because most people are 
audiences like you who are like, <laughs> give me bait and just like a bunch of shit happening. I <laughs> like so- <laughs> some slow burn movies. Some. Uh, <laughs> but, but you know, but so... So I think I feel like whenever a film gets labeled with that, it's there's automatically an audience that's like, eh, I'm less interested. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that the reef is a perfect example. Which, by the way, well, fuck that. All right, I need to- I need people to remember sometimes that films like Alien, which are fucking classics, it is a full hour in that film until we even see the chestburster. So <laughs> yeah, Alien's a slow burn. <laughs> yeah, and it's fucking great. <laughs> it is. It is a great um, movie. So I mean that look. That's how a lot of movies go. You build up the fucking story and the and the setting and the characters, and then the horror happens, you know. But anyway, I mean I could go on a rant about that all day. But uh, we're just a fucking ADHD culture that just you know just fucking can't pay attention to anything anymore. Um, but as far as the reef goes, like you know, it is this slow burn film in a sense that it really takes its time. It takes its time. It builds the dread. It lets you get into the characters, who they are, makes you feel for them. And it just makes everything that happens after that much more devastating, you know? And so I just really have to hand it to him. Like, I think that Trocky perfectly builds the tension in this. I think that the dread that is just, like, permeating all throughout is just, like, perfect. Like, I can't, I honestly can't imagine them doing a better job than they did in that element, so. Sure. (laughs) You're a monster. (laughs) Um, I am. (laughs) All right, so that's going to do it for us on the reef. So we have... As usual, uh, once we're wrapping up our theme for the month, we like to kind of rank everything that we've talked about and give our final thoughts on them. So this month with our Shark, Shark, Sharks theme, uh, we've talked about The Reef, uh, Deep Blue Sea, Jaws, Bait, The Shallows. So how would you rank? And uh, yeah, how, so how would, you, how would you rank the movies that we've seen this month? So I rank the- I already know it's going to be at the bottom for you. Yeah. <laughs> I ranked the movies this month based on shark death. How good is the shark death? Oh, I am. Okay, well, so you put this film at a completely unfair advantage. Well, it's also my <laughs> or least... disadvantage. It's also my least favorite of the month. Yeah, I know this, it is. <laughs> this list pretty much, like, lines up with my thoughts on the films anyways. Um, but yeah, so the reef, com- reef comes in at number five because the shark doesn't die. Jaws comes in at number four. I... <laughs> We're getting a divorce. I don't know how I can be married to you. Usually, <laughs> you say that about so many of my horror opinions that it has no meaning. You love me anyways for the trash panda I am and my trash taste. I love you, but it doesn't mean I have to respect you. That's fair. <laughs> uh, I am, so yeah, Jaws comes in at number four. Number three is Deep Blue Sea. <laughs> because I'm cute and entertaining. I'm actually surprised that number three is Deep Blue Sea for you. I'm... I think, well, because keep in mind that I'd never seen bait before. And Deep Blue Sea is fun, and it's got, like, good shark deaths, but, like... It's less fun than bait to you? Um, bait gives me over-the-top action kills. And also, my favorite character, Steven. Steven. I love Steven. Wait, do you not consider Deep Blue Sea (laughs) over-the-top? Not in comparison to bait. He does action poses. Does action movie Deep poses. Blue Sea has Samuel L. Jackson getting pulled into a pool after saying, first thing we're going to do is close this pool. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty badass. But yeah, Deep Blue Sea loses it to Bait. All right, so Deep Blue Sea is a three. What's number two? Bait. Of course. Bait is number two, and my number one is The Shallows. This entire... He, he gets lit on fire, and what? then he dives into, like, rods. It's amazing. Literally the only two films on this list from you that make any sense to me for your rankings 
is the reef and jaws i mean jaws makes no sense to me as a person <laughs> but no but knowing you i'm not surprised that it's number four on this and the reef i knew was going to be your least favorite i am shocked <laughs> that deep blue sea is ranked below bait and the shallows for you though <laughs> did you think deep blue sea was going to be my number one i thought you really liked deep blue sea i do I did, really like i did deep not blue sea. i did not expect you to rank bait in the shallows over it <laughs> they light a shark on fire in the shallows yes they do shark on fire yeah no it's pretty great it's amazing <laughs> i love it i i am not judging i am just you saying... are absolutely don't you fucking lie to me oh no you i'm absolutely oh no i'm absolutely judging you on jaws because i don't know how you disrespect a masterpiece like that but i do Take as great the, pleasure in disrespecting masterpieces. I know you do, but as <laughs> as for the rest of them, I'm not judging. I'm just I'm just surprised. That's not what I was expecting from you. So, so obviously a very different ranking for me. <laughs> uh, so I have Bates at number five. Um, <laughs> Steven. Look, Steven and and that entire movie are are fun. They're fine, you know. Yeah, but we- it's not it's not a film where I'm like. Bait is a great movie. <laughs> like it's not. It's a fun movie. Yeah. You know, it's fun. Mm-hmm fun yeah uh that's what people like when they watch movies sometimes um (laughs) uh no yeah so Bates number five i have the reef at four because even though i think it's a very well-made movie it is one that you know is not one that i crave watching a lot you know so that's number four uh and then the shallows and and keep in mind i love all five of these i think all Mm -hmm. five of these films are really are either really fun or really well made uh the shallows is number three uh, again, I think really great script, well executed. Um, it's just not, it's not as, it's not as like emotionally driven as the reef. And it's also not as over the top fun as deep blue sea in my mind. So mm-hmm. like, so that's why it falls there. Deep blue sea's number two. I think it's one of the best shark movies made since jaws mm-hmm. and then jaws is number one because it's a fucking masterpiece like i don't know <laughs> jaws is incredible i don't know how you, you just worship at the at the altar of masterpieces yeah i do because they're masterpieces <laughs> for a reason <laughs> like uh i mean you can met all you want not a single one of these films had anywhere near the impact on our culture that jaws has and there's a reason for that because <laughs> jaws came first and because it's incredible yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever um all right so, so that's gonna do it for us on the reef so we have not yet uh chosen our theme for next month uh at the time that you're listening to this it's probably currently being voted on our twitter so you can visit at killer critics and put your vote in for that if that's still going uh but we'll be but we'll have that up and hopefully we'll have a theme for you announced this weekend sometime on our twitter uh but other than that just hope you enjoyed our sharks 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 month uh, we always like to try to do, you know, a, a month of these shark movies every summer. I just think it's a fun way to go because there's so many and they're so fun. Matt just uh, does it to appease me. A little bit that, <laughs> but no, I just, these movies are great. I, I There are very few shark films I don't enjoy. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so yeah, I hope you enjoyed that. And otherwise, you know, uh, stay safe, stay out of the water, don't piss off sharks <laughs> <laughs> and treat them with respect because they are our friends. Yep. They're amazing. And, and that's going to do it for us. So I'm Matt. And I'm Chris. And have a great night, horror fans. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of Killer Horror Critic. If you'd like to scream with us some more, please subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Killer From Space, as well as Instagram at Killer underscore horror underscore critic. New episodes release every Friday, so keep your eyeballs peeled. 
just the way I like them. Have a good night, horror fans.